0: Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program as we bring it to you from NRG Stadium. Minicamp is underway. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We've got a big show. Jerry Hughes, we'll hear from him. We have more likely to happen stuff coming up. We'll review practice. Johnny, it's great to be out there. Feels like training camp. Both the you? good and the bad of training camp because of the heat, but who cares? We're watching football, and it's fun. It is fun, and
1: you can't ever take that for granted. Going out there, it was a little longer practice today, or at least it felt a little bit longer. Yeah. They did a lot today. And I don't think it's because there's a difference between OTAs and minicamp. I don't think. I think it just happened to be a little bit longer. But, man, they got a lot of, a lot done, a lot of red zone stuff. And I like I like the red zone work. I think red zone work, it gets talked about a lot. We got to be better in the red zone. I'm not talking just here. I'm talking everywhere. Yeah. It gets talked about a lot. Red zone, red zone, red zone. Teams are crappy in the red zone. Yeah. And they don't work on it. I think more red zone work the better. And I think one of the things that I always go back to uh, remembering what Bill O'Brien said to us. He told us that Tom Brady told him that red zone was the last thing he mastered because it's got to be now. Yeah, I mean, you have to know this is the defense they're in. This is what they're going to do. This is our scheme on this play. This is where I'm going to go with the ball. I go there. It's not there. I look one place and then that's it. You, you, that's all you have time. That's all
0: you have time for. It's- that's it. It's It's the short game. We talked about this with Davis Mills. It's the short game of football. Drive for show, putt for dough. And this is putting, obviously, a lot more violent than putting. But this is where you make the money because how many teams you see move the ball pretty well between the 20s and you end up kicking a field goal? You know, if you get the ball to the 15 yard line and fail, right, and fail, that's a 33 yard field goal. And that feels bad when you have to settle for too many of those. I mean, look, you're not going to slough it off. But you'd rather put the ball in the end zone. This just in breaking news. Yes. Uh, Also, Justin, we spoke with Jerry Hughes out on the practice field after today's session at Windy Houston Methodist Training Center, and he likes the way it's going so far, his time with the Texans.
2: Really excited right now. You know, feeling real good. We've had a great attendance so far. Guys are coming out ready to uh, work hard and just build on what we've been uh, doing this entire spring.
1: So when you walk out the door at Energy Stadium, you walk across the street, do you have like a second or two of remorse when you feel the humidity, (laughs) 85 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning?
2: Oh, no, not at all, man. I grew up here, been doing this, been playing football in this kind of weather. So if anything, it's a great warm-up before we actually uh, kick practice off.
0: What was it like in high school training in the heat? I mean, you have great experience with that here.
2: Oh, man, it was horrible. It was uh, (laughs) excruciating just because back in those days, we were practicing in the heat of the day. You know, Coach Smith is actually throwing us a bone. He's got us going early in the morning. So, you know, we haven't reached our peak, our peak uh, temperature. So, you know, we get to deal with a nice overcast, a nice breeze it makes this a lot more enjoyable. Jerry,
1: I love this interview because Fort Bend County is represented amongst the three of us, but Fort Bend County is also represented on this team. Jed Anderson, yeah. you, uh, Ross Blacklock, Fort Bend County is represented Does that feel kind of cool that there are that many guys from your school district that are here playing together with this team?
2: Yeah, it does. You know, I mean, we've always known that we've had talent in the school district. So, you know, to actually have it here in our home city, you know, it it just goes to show you how much football, how how great football we have out there, you know, on the southwest part of town.
0: What do you make of what you've got up front defensively, the guys in the room?
2: Oh, we've got a lot of young, hungry guys. Right now it's just about us, you know, working on our technique, sharpening our iron, you know, working with the uh, offensive linemen just to kind of work out all the kind of cobwebs. And then now it's just getting used to playing fast and playing with, with each other, which I think we're doing a great job right now. You know, Coach always talks about the D-line's got to hunt together, and I can see us flying around to the ball, putting that together.
1: Jerry, how much of... Your game, Obviously, we can see you out there physically, but how much of your game mentally has gotten sharper over the years? And how often do you share that with the young guys when they want to talk about you know what they can do to get better?
2: Yeah, I mean, mentally for me, it's night and day from when I first got into the league till now. And then it's always letting the young guys know what they can do to not only extend their career, but to help them play faster on the field. You know, uh, film study is a lot of things that people kind of overlook, but you still got to do. Even this is year 12, I'm still going over, you know, individual practice, what we do in through just to make sure my hands and feet are always right. You know, we always talk about sharpening our iron during this kind of time, working on technique, and this is a great time to do it. And the only way you can is by watching film. So whenever the uh, fellas got questions, you know, I try to you know be very detailed with them, give them as much information as I can, so they can take that and add that to their uh, really to their arsenal.
0: Jerry, you played for two big-time Texans villains and the Colts and the Bills. What changed for you when you went to Buffalo? Your production went way up. I know you're a good player in Indy, but the numbers were really good in Buffalo as well.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I, I got thrown a, a little bit more into the fire there. I think when I first got to Buffalo, I think my, uh, my snaps – increased greatly over the first three years that I was in Indy and I think with that opportunity I just wanted to make the most of it and then just didn't want it, the wanted to prove the doubt was wrong and then I didn't also want to look back and say you know what I could have should have would have did so I just went out there and just went balls to the walls you know just pinned my ears back and tried to do my best to just dislodge that football from whoever was uh, carrying it.
1: Do you ever have a moment you're like coach i still got it in me i gotta carry maybe two down in the goal line yeah because you were an all-state running back at one point do you ever feel like coach i can do it just one time
2: you know i've had two opportunities in the league i picked up two fumbles and scores so i felt like i've already lived that experience you know i got i got two touchdowns the, the one in denver two years ago was really cool i got to you know really show the whole running back vision there's a lot of people that doubted me didn't know if i still had that ability in there so it was fun. I've had my fun now. I, I'm enjoying hitting people. I think I think I, I really like doing that. I've made a name for myself doing that. I think I'm going to continue being the hammer versus being the no.
0: How closely do you still follow what's going on at TCU with the Big 12, all the activity and everything?
2: Oh, man, I'm paying attention daily. Not only do I got three young guys here, but then just who I've kind of watched their career kind of blossom from college stars to in the NFL to – Right now, we just all are just locked in. I mean, we talked about what's going on. We're excited about how the program is moving, you know, being in the Big 12. I know we got a new head coach, but hopefully they can kind of turn that around and uh, get back on that winning side. All right,
1: we haven't had Horned Frogs around here too long. Jet got here about halfway through last year. Garrett drafted last year. Give us your Jerry Hughes scouting report on the two Horned Frogs and Garrett Wallow
2: and Jetta Anderson. Oh, man, with Jet, you got straight speed. It's someone who you want to see touch the ball because it's just electrifying in what he can do. With Wallow, with his brain, with his intellect, not only his speed and his athleticism really helps him, but him knowing where the offense is going to be, how to put himself in position. He's communicating with us on the defensive line, and for him to be that young and to know all that information, you know you got a special linebacker who's going to be doing a lot of great things for us.
0: What about Ross? How important is it to remind young guys that, hey, it doesn't happen right away in this league, maybe not the first year or two, not that he's done poorly, but he's made plays. I know he wants to do even better.
2: Yeah, you know, with him, I I tell him, this is a grind. This is our career. This isn't four years, five years, and then you move on to the next level. you got to continue to grow year in and year out. So, especially with with him and being on the – line we get scouted four weeks and go. So it's, it's, it's important for him to understand that you've got to keep changing the game. you got to keep evolving. There's a lot of great guys in this league that put a lot of great stuff on film. I tell those guys to watch those guys. So whoever is getting sacks, there's nothing wrong with borrowing a move and going out there and trying it out. I think but the great thing about being in his room i'm always in his ear and i i see him listening and then when we come out here i see that light bulb go off and he's able to kind of turn it on so i'm excited for those guys i'm excited for him just because he's another Fort bin guy who i know can just race hell on this uh, football field
1: jerry you got about a six week break coming up and for veterans you guys know how to handle that yeah, young dude. guys hey you know, they got a little bit of money in their pocket now you maybe worry about them a little bit how do you kind of handle that break for yourself, and how do you kind of advise the young dudes, hey, man, you can't get too far away
2: from this whole thing? No, it's, good. it's great that you asked. I guess a lot of guys have been asking me, you know, hey, old head, old school, whatever they want to call me, <laughs> you know, what do I normally do during this time? And I say, you know, I take about a week off just to kind of reset my mind, but I'm always in my playbook. You know, like, like that one fundamental just being – Staying connected to football just because it's, it's a short turnaround from when training camp starts. So you kind of want to give yourself a little bit of a, of a mental break by not being in the busy, building physically, but still being able to kind of peek at that playbook, keep the calls fresh on your mind. So that way when we come back day one, we're not losing any ground. We're always gaining.
0: Jerry, thanks for the time. Best of luck to you. No problem, guys. Thank you. Johnny, it feels like you and Jerry have known each other for a long time, and I don't think you really have, but you guys have a chemistry about you. We met in 2009.
1: The Rotary Lombardi Award. Okay. It was Jerry Hughes, Terrence Cody, Mount Cody from Alabama, some guy named Dominican Sue. I remember him. And another guy Vaguely familiar. You might have heard of Gerald McCoy. Vaguely. So those were oh the four gosh. finalists of the two thousand nine Rotary Lombardi Award. And so they wanted to do a breakfast. And they wanted McClain and I to do, you know, this breakfast kind of back and forth and so at some point I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out some either or questions. And so I did. I pulled out some either ors for the guys to have to answer, and they had a good time doing it. And so the other day at practice, I said, uh, Jerry, I said, I know you won't remember me. I said, but when you did the when you were up for the Rotary Lombardi Award 2009, we had a breakfast in the morning. I could see his eyes go, oh, like that was you. I was like, yes, that was me. I. Yeah, we did the either or questions. Yeah, yeah, he goes, I remember that. And so we chatted for a little while, and we just talked and caught up. My dad coached against him when he was a running back, so that's why he, you know that's we asked about and, and joked with him about running back. My dad had told me back in gosh, this was, it was 04, 05, He kept telling me about this running back that went to Austin High School over in the Fort Bend district. He's like, his running back's good. His running back's really good. And I was like, where's he going? He's going to TCU. I was not back in Houston yet. He's going to TCU. So when I got back home, and watched a TCU game. He's like, "There he is. That's him, right there." I'm like, "Dad, this guy's a defensive end." He goes, "Oh yeah, they moved him." And uh-huh. then he becomes one of the best defensive ends in college football. He was a finalist for the and wow. Marty Award, All American, all that, and so had a chance to share a story. What I remember about 2009, though, was he was he was a little shy. I mean, he was you know into it, but you could tell he was a little kind of shy and quiet. 12 years in the league will do it, man. You kind of He's not shy anymore. He kind of branched out, and and he's uh, I'm glad he's here. And I think having him as a resource for younger players is massive. Uh, and I'm glad you asked him about Ross. Because he, I remember him saying three TCU guys, and I was asking him the question about Wallow because I saw Garrett and I thought of Jet because mm. we had talked about Jet Anderson. And I'm like, man, who's the third guy? And then you asked him about Ross. I'm glad you followed up with Ross because I think having Jerry there, although Ross and Jerry didn't cross paths at college, having on TCU, just being of that TCU family, I think there's always something special there. And so hopefully along the way, Ross understands, as do the entire defensive line, that line understands. Jerry Hughes is there. He's a resource. Use him. Malik Collins, resource. Use him. Uh, Mario Addison, Resource. Use them. You'd
0: be crazy not to. Yes,
1: absolutely. And, you know,
0: there's so many different paths in NFL careers and trajectories and so forth. But it's interesting because Jerry's a good example. It wasn't working out so well in Indianapolis for him, right? right? Correct. Were you mildly surprised, a little surprised, not surprised at all? I mean, what was your reaction to what he started to do in Buffalo when he finally hit double-digit sacks and became the kind of player that people always wanted him to be? I think part of it is, you know, being a little biased, the fact that he's, he's from here. My dad had coached
1: against him, just having a little bit of a connection. I wanted him to do well, and I always felt like it it was there for him to do well. He had the traits. I mean, he had the explosiveness. He had the twitch. But I think, and we talked to John Grenard yesterday a little bit, too, about just growing up as a pass rusher in the NFL, man. That's I don't think we give enough credit to how good these tackles in the league are, man. And how do you beat them on a consistent basis? Right. How do you just beat them period and learning how to do that and learning how you do that? Like this tackle, man, he gives up a lot of spin moves. Like spin moves are his killer, but I can't do a spin move. So how do I beat that guy? What do I do to beat that guy? It's not in my repertoire, but – how do I beat him? And then figuring that all out, I think it just took a little while. He got up to Buffalo. He got opportunity. And then he started getting his confidence. And once he got his confidence, it was like, okay, he, he knows he can play. He just had to get his confidence back that he could do it. And then when you watch him, he just kind of tapped into a different, more violent, uh, in a good way, uh, football player out on the edge for Buffalo. And he's been that way ever since. I, I knew it was always there. But
0: sometimes you just need you – know, Coach Coach Smith has said it. Smith has said this. Sometimes guys just need a change of scenery. That's well, not a bad thing. He guys got just need one, a change of scenery. And he caught the Bills on the way up. Yep, the Bills did. renaissance or whatever you want to call it. Yep. And was a big part of that. Uh, the development of that. And now he's here and you hope that he's got enough left in the tank to help this team. They've got a lot of guys. I think that... You know, we've joked about it. Lovey Smith's going to want to keep all 17 defensive linemen that he has in camp right now. But there's going to be a big number of defensive linemen on this roster when it's all said and done because they want to rotate so many people. And I think they like the talent they had. All right. Today was a good practice to watch. It really was because and I like the way they've been doing these practices overall throughout OTAs and minicamp today. And we'll see more on Wednesday. It's going to be fun. I really like it because there's a lot of team stuff. You know, I love <laughs> the seven-on-seven. Seven. I love the team yeah. stuff. I don't need to watch all the individual stuff, although that's fun, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know how I feel about special teams practice, Johnny. Yes, we don't need to get into that right now. I know. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. They did some situational stuff. You know, Mills had a good day. He had a moment I know he wants back. I thought Kyle Allen had a good day. I thought Driscoll made some throws today, yep. uh, which was really nice to see. Red zone work. Um, it's funny... The way NFL teams practice, I always feel like, and I'm counting, when the ball is snapped, I have nothing better yeah, to yeah. do. I'm watching, but I'm also one, two, three. With Mills, it feels like the ball's getting out. The yes. ball's getting out. He understands the clock, it's in his head, it's going to go off. He's got to get the ball out. Look, he's been baptized in some pretty tough NFL games. What'd you make of what you saw today overall? Well, back to my point, and I, I probably wasn't as clear, they worked on a lot of red
1: zone today. Yeah. No, you were. And I think that's – you just can't work on it enough with a young quarterback. You you just can't because you have such tight windows. And seeing it and repping it over and over and over again and how fast you have to be to get the ball in that window, there can be no hesitation. And what I love, the first time they went down to the red zone, the first three or four throws – it just wasn't there. He just took Davis took a check down, which that's fine. Just don't make a mistake down right. there. Then he had a couple of incompletions, and you could kind of tell he was, getting a, he was getting a little bit frustrated. I mean, it's hard to see on Davis sometimes, but you just tell by the throws he, he made, he was getting frustrated. He came over and he talked to Pep for a quick second. He went back in a huddle, and then I don't know what Pep said, but then he dropped a dime in the back corner to Chris Moore for a touchdown. He then threw a back shoulder fade on the opposite side of the field to Nico. And then he dotted Brandon Cooks. And it was one of those throws where there was a linebacker and a safety uh, that were kind of not bracketing Brandon, but were kind of playing their zones. So as soon as Davis looked, those guys would close. So Davis threw the ball almost at Brandon's feet so that those guys coming across would have to dive down. They dove across. The ball gets underneath them. Brandon then has to make a you know a scoop catch, and he does. So he makes three tough throws right in a row. Bang, bang, bang in the red zone. What I liked about seeing it was the fact that he struggled a little bit early, but he made the adjustment. He didn't even have to come to the sideline to make the adjustment. He just talked to Pep for a quick second. They may have been talking about a play or whatever. He went back on the field, and away they go. And they were, they were fine at that point, and he was fine at that point. But – Kyle Allen made a couple of throws today. Jeff Driscoll hit two back to back throws. May have been a little bit beyond your play, your your uh your clock in the head uh sort of thing, but he nailed a couple of throws. It was good to see. And they worked on the red zone a little bit and situational work. It's it's something that obviously is a staple in this game. As my wife would tell me and would tell everybody, well, isn't every play a situation? Which is true. It is. It's true, but there's but that- specific situations you have to work on.
0: Uh, I once read an article, it was by Paul Zimmerman, remember Dr. Z of Sports Illustrated? Yeah. And he said they should call it clock ball, not football. Right. Because the clock is such a part of this game. Huge. You have to respect that clock, you have to know that clock, you have to know your timeout situation, you have to figure out how the two-minute warning comes into play in various situations. Is a spike worth it here, or is it worth it to run a few seconds and run a play because you get to keep that down and run the play as opposed to burning a play to kill the clock? Because sometimes that's obvious, sometimes it's not, and sometimes you overcome it even when you did the wrong thing because you make a play on the next snap.
1: Yeah, and it's a great point because if you get that seemingly that same situation, maybe in a different time Mm -hmm. or against a different opponent, Mm -hmm. maybe you need to spike it. Yeah. Whereas you might want to run a play or you have a play because of the situation. The next situation comes up. Hey, this is really similar to that one, but you might be – you spiked it before. Maybe you run a play in this one. Even though they all look the same, they're all – those situations are all seemingly different in yep. some sense. And then you got to consider the, the score too because up on the board when they were going two-minute, mm-hmm. it was 21-20. And I think it was Kyle Allen who threw the touchdown to Pharoah Brown. It was yeah. a beautiful seam route. Down, right down the middle of the field. And Faro made, I think, three catches in a row. Scored a touchdown. That made it 26-21. And so, at that point, you should go for two. Go for two. Because that'll put you up seven. Yeah, it gives you a little insurance. A little insurance, yes. Now, they could run it back. And I, I, I yes, that could happen. You'd still have a three-point lead at that point, but you'd rather have a seven-point lead than a six-point lead. So you go for two, and you make sure that it's a play that doesn't lead to a you know a flat route that leads to a pick six going the other way. So those are the kind of things hopefully that they're thinking through and they're
0: going through. And again, play Madden. Yeah, Madden play. teaches you a lot. It's funny that you say it's that. Crazy it's crazy as it sounds. True. It's very helpful. I always tell people the story of you being at that Madden tournament and all these guys who were participating were Madden studs. because they coached. Bad way to put that. But they were Madden aficionados, and they knew that clock. Yeah,
1: I, yeah and it, maybe Dr. Z said it best. It's clock ball. you got to understand how to play clock ball because coaches, when they grow up, they're not learning clock ball. They're learning football. They're learning the X's and O's. They're learning the scheme. They're learning the drills and the – and the things that they're supposed to teach their players to make them better football players. But at really no point do coaches go and study clockball. And,
0: Johnny, how many times do they come across these situations? Not very often. Well, not every day. Well, they do in a game. But my point is this. To get better at it, how do you get reps doing that? Right, right. Out of the practice field, maybe, or you're watching game tape. Yes. Uh, I would have – you know, they employ a lot of people, and I'm not sure how they do this here, but I'm just saying NFL teams at large. I would employ people – you know pot you know pot up we say that in audio but just boot up cue up some different kinds of late game situations where teams did it well teams did it not so well so we can all learn and i'm sure stuff like that is going on because you got to be ready and you just don't come across those situations often enough to get the reps to be second nature at some of this stuff it's like you need every
1: tape of a game at about the four minute drill uh, four minute and you need a TV copy too, because that's going to give you the true length of yeah. time that you have. Because if you go with the regular copy that you normally have, with it's all play the, by play, it's play by play, so it doesn't really, you yeah. don't really get it. But that's a great point. You get the TV copy, and just turn the sound down, so you don't have to listen to any of us you know, flapping our gums. And and you don't want to be, you know, and play the situation out. What would you do? Here it is. Four minutes. Play it out. Don't touch fast forward. Don't hit, hit rewind. Just go. What would you do? And here's the situation. It's 28-23, and you're the defensive coach in this situation. Play this out. How would you do it? I don't want you to think about the play you would call. I don't want you to think about what uh, defensive play you would call. I want you to play the situation out. Just the situation itself. Yeah. And go and go from there. That's something that, I mean, if I was – if. if if I was talking to a young coach, I would say, and that's the thing, a lot of younger coaches have played Madden, so they've at least have a little bit of that. But I would say, do that. That needs to be kind of your hobby. Like, learn how to coach your position, learn how to be a DB coach, learn how to be a linebackers coach, be quarterbacks mm-hmm. coach, coordinator, whatever, special teams.
0: But learn clockball. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Learn yeah. clockball. I mean, you have to learn it. You yeah. have to know it. A uh, spike. Will save you some time, but it'll burn it down. And you have to be able to weigh those things. The downs are more worth it than the time. The time is more worth it than the downs, whatever the situation calls for. Anyway, they're working on situational stuff in minicamp. One more day of practice. Well, two more days of practice. We'll see how it goes. Very often, teams say Thursday, bye-bye. We'll see if they do it here or not. Last year, obviously, no minicamp. But last year, we talked to a lot of guys this week. Media Day was held and a lot of guys talked about how OTAs last year, they were walkthroughs. Yep. They didn't have the kind of mano a mano participation we're seeing out there right yep. now. Another thing, did you pick up on, and it was almost as if they were coached, but they're not coached to do this. When we asked players about Mills, yep. one word kept on coming up about Mills, and it was leader, yep. leadership. They all said it. Yeah. It was unsolicited. Yep. We didn't ask, how is he as a leader? Yep. But hey, what are you seeing out of Davis Mills right now? Year two, especially among some of the vets. He's a leader. He's a leader. And being in control, being in control, being a
1: leader, I mean, those can get – I'm not saying Davis isn't, but a guy that's in control out on a field, a quarterback that's in control on a field, isn't always the best leader. Now, he is the maestro at that point. doesn't mean that he is a quality leader. It just he gets everybody in the right spot. He knows what people are supposed to do. I think Davis – leads with his actions I think how he performed last year coming back in after the rough start to the season after having some tough ball games coming back in being more confident letting that confidence kind of rub off on the team in some sense I think that all all played into it I thought it was interesting and fun talking to Connor Weddington too yeah who had been with him in college who also had been with Thomas Booker in college Mm and uh, had the opportunity to see Davis kind of all groansed up, if you will. You know, last time that Connor played with him, he was, you know, teammates. They were captains together. And you'll hear that interview with Connor Weddington, a receiver of the Texans uh, acquired just before the offseason started or the uh, OTA started. And he was great because he was like, yeah, he's Davis's he's captain. I've always seen him in that way, but now I see him in NFL huddle, and he's even more of a leader than we thought about.
0: They have receivers for days. This is going to be fun (laughs) to talk about during camp. Also fun to talk about more likely to happen. Quarterback Super Bowl likelihood around the league. Stuff like that. Texans running attack. Let's get into it next here on Texans Radio. It's Texans All Access indeed. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium. And we are ready to... Play more likely to happen.
1: More likely to happen.
0: Johnny, more likely to lead the Texans in rushing yards. I'll probably do this three or four more times before the season starts. Damian Pierce or Marlon Mack? You got to pick one of those guys. Pick one of your children. Did you not walk out of here yesterday going, I like Marlon Mack, man? I do. And you know what? He tolerated, again, we're going to play this interview for you soon enough. We did a bunch of them yesterday, but... I began the Marlon Mack interview scolding him about his time with the Colts. No, I wasn't yeah. scolding him. I was scolding the Colts. The best Colts. part about it was, and I, I was sitting next to him and just watching him the whole time, he was smiling just, yeah. I mean, My the whole rant. entire
1: time. He just <laughs> he just went with it. Um, but we had we had heard uh, Frank Ross was doing a media gathering. I think it was right when conditioning started. He was asked about Marlon Mack because Frank had been in Indianapolis when Marlon was there. And I just remember Frank saying, "He's a quiet guy, doesn't say a whole heck of a lot, just goes out there and does his job. And he came in here, and I was like, he's smiling, very, very comfortable. He's very comfortable with us. And I really enjoyed talking to him. And I just came out of there going, man, I, I hope he has that bounce-back year he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Because out on the field, he looks good. He looks really good. The, his... His patient style of running, I think, fits in what they're doing. You see the explosiveness once he gets to the second level and beyond. He's He looks good, and I would love to see him get every shot. Damian Pierce, boy, he's got a different gear. And I said this to you, and and you all out there can write this down in, in pen. During training camp, there will be a Neville Hewitt-Damian Pierce <laughs> collision. I can't wait for this. That will... That People people will talk about for the rest of training camp as long as nobody gets hurt. I can't oh, they, Yes, yes. But those two hammerheads are going to collide. I got just I have a feeling, and Damian Pierce won't back down because he's a rookie, and Neville Hewitt won't back down because, well, he's Neville Hewitt and he hits anything in a different color jersey. So I can't wait for that to happen. But that said, I'm going to go with a little bit of a surprise. I'm going to go with Marlon Mack. Okay. I wanted to see both of them do really, really well. But I want Marlon Mack. The one thing about Marlon that's a little different than Damian is, and Damian's got good enough speed, but Marlon's got—if you miss him, he's, he's got gone. goodbye speed. Right. So you get to the second level and you miss a tackle, and your safeties are out of their gap, you know, and their run fits. He could house that thing, and I mean we haven't had that a lot at that position I remember Lamar Miller could do that there weren't a lot of others that could do that at that particular position so if Marlon gets a second level clean and it's not just going 80 for a touchdown but it's taking a run that could be four five yards and turning that into a 15 to 20 yard run it's those runs too like hey man we'll take a chunk run here this will get us you know out from the minus 15 yard line get us out to the 30 35 and now we're cooking so I think Marlon's got a little bit of that. Damian's not quite that speed, but he just bludgeons so many people. He turns four- and five-yard runs into 15-20-yard runs because he bounces off people like a pinball. I'm going to go Marlon Mack, but I think both of them are going to find a way to impact this running game uh, and that running back room for sure I do
0: believe it's a by-committee kind of thing. Somebody might float to the top. Somebody will have the team lead in rushing yards. Last year – Rex Burkhead, 3.5 per carry. They dramatically have to improve on that number for whoever the leading rusher is. In fact, all of them, please. But it's interesting with running backs because we saw David Johnson here, and I always thought, well, David Johnson healthy should be pretty good. If he's healthy, he should be pretty good. And I think, all right, was he healthy? Was he not healthy enough? Did the line block not well enough for him? How do you want to define this? And I think it's a little bit of everything, and I don't want to say Mac is David Johnson because I'm not, but Mac was off to a tremendous start in his career yep. with 908 yards in 2018 of the big playoff win here. And then he got a thousand plus the following year, 4.7, 4.4, and then slowed down. Jonathan Taylor derailed and here you have it. He's trying to rebuild things with the Houston Texans. I would think Mac, healthy is going to be really good, yep. but we'll see. Yep. We just don't Great know point. until we know. All right. Thanks. Next item.
1: More likely to happen.
0: More likely to miss the playoffs this year. Oh. The Cincinnati Bengals or the Arizona Cardinals. They both made it last year. Obviously, oh. the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, but some people are going out on that limb, walking that plank, saying the Bengals are going to miss because here comes Lamar Jackson back for the Baltimore Ravens. And what's going on in Cleveland? Well, we kind of know, but do we? And Pittsburgh, who knows? And the Bengals might not have done enough. Look, let's face it. They're going to get everybody's best game now. Yeah. They're no longer the Bengals that you beat up on. These right. are tough Bengals that everybody wants a piece of. Your thoughts? And if they, I don't know if they completely solved everything in the
1: offensive line, but they did make some moves on the offensive line. They're going to help. There's yeah, no but you doubt. don't know until you know. Right. That, I, exactly. But. You'd like to think, okay, we fixed some of these offensive line problems. That gives Joe a little bit more time, Joe Burrow a little bit more time. I think Cincinnati's going to be very, very good, but I think Cincinnati might be a victim of its own success in that they've got to play a first-place schedule. So, yeah, that means they've got to play Tennessee, but they've also got to play the – so they get the West, right, because the East is playing the North. So, yeah, they got to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So – it's they're playing a first place schedule, so they get Tennessee and, and Kansas City. I mean, that's that's tough in of itself. I've said I think Cincinnati's the natural bounce back, not going back to Cincinnati five and twelve 4 and thirteen kind of thing. But I could see them going nine and eight, playing some really tough games. I mean but come just, back to earth kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. But have that year kind of like the Bills did in eighteen. Like the Bills went to the playoffs in seventeen. Mm-hmm. Then 18, they kind of took a little bit of a step back as they got Josh Allen in the mix. 19, they get back to the playoffs. Now 20, 20, and 21, they were arguably one of the top five teams in the league in 2022. They're a Super Bowl favorite. I think Cincinnati could take a step back to like nine and eight, maybe even a ten and seven, maybe eke into the playoffs, but not like they were last year. I think Arizona is ripe to be had. I've said that. I don't think the offensive line – the one thing I give the Bengals credit for is the Bengals made change on the offensive line. That right side was brutal. They went out they went out and attacked it. I think they signed Lyle Collins to play out there. They've added some dudes on that offensive line that should help. I don't know that Arizona did enough in front of Kyler Murray. So – and although the AFC North is very, very good, I think if I had to choose what I'd rather play in the AFC North, six games against those opponents – or play six games against AFC West opponents or NFC West. I would probably want to be in AFC North. Cardinals have got to play those six games. Yeah, the, the Seahawks may not be what the Seahawks were, but you got to play four times against the Rams and Niners. Ew. Yeah, Ew. tough. I don't like that for them. So I'm going to say that the the Cardinals will be the team that struggles to make the
0: playoffs. Next,
1: more likely to happen.
0: Most likely to lead this group in passing yards. The 2021 quarterback class, who's going to lead in passing yards among those guys? Mills is in there, too. I'm throwing Mills in the bunch. Yeah. Let's go with Herbert, with Mac Jones, with Zach Wilson, with your boy Trey Lance out in San Francisco, assuming he plays, because we got to see it to believe it. Trevor. Trevor Lawrence. Now, I don't think just because he throws for the most yards
1: that'll be the top performance in that particular group.
0: No, I, I agree. Look, we've seen it here. You lead the league in passing yards. Uh, we had it happen on a 4-12 right. and 12 football team. We had it happen right. on a 9-7 and seven football team. Right. It doesn't guarantee you the most success. We understand that. Often passing yards, you throw for 350, great. Did you throw three picks? Were you down? with a carbohydrate that's, yards at the end of the game? We don't know, but I'm just asking you. That's the big thing,
1: is all those quarterbacks, let's say all, I think Trey Lance may throw for the least, but he might have the most effective season because he's obviously got the okay. most weapons around. What about Fields? I think there's an opportunity for Fields. I just I just don't know who – I mean, look, I know who Fields is throwing to. I know yeah. he's throwing – Darnell Mooney I think is underrated. Velas Jones is a rookie, but he's really been impressive. But he's a rookie. So, I mean, that's who he's throwing to. Colt mm-hmm. Kmet, tight end, like – Fields isn't throwing to Kelsey, Tyreek, and and uh, you know Miko Hardman like right. you know Holmes was and has been, uh, and then you have Sammy Watkins in that mix with the Chiefs over one of those years. So from that standpoint, I don't know that Justin has enough around him. I don't think Mac has enough around him, and Matt Patricia's calling plays. Uh. Trevor with <laughs> Doug Peterson, that could be the difference maker. And you added Christian Kirk, and you added Zay Jones, and you added Evan Ingram. You added weapons to the passing game. I think it could end up being Trevor. I think Trevor could get the four bills this year. Wow. I don't think it means that Jacksonville is all that much better, but I think what it does is it allows Andre and myself to point back at you and go, "We told you, we yeah. told you." All
0: right, we'll see. we'll see. We'll see. we'll see if that happens. We'll see. If okay. Happens. I can't wait for the season, but look, (laughs) one day at a time. Next more likely to happen item, more likely to win the Super Bowl first among these. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, or Lamar Jackson. Give me a Super Bowl winner. Who's going to get it first among those three? Tough one. That's a tough one.
1: Mm -hmm. I... And I don't even know if it has to do with those three guys. I could see all three of those guys leading a team. Now people will be screaming, Lamar has done it in the playoffs! I mean, he had everything in 2019. Yeah, I mean, it happens. And they got beat by Derrick Henry. I mean, yeah, a lot of teams got beat by Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising. I mean, Derrick Henry got beat by the Bengals this year. I think it would be Herbert because of the talent that's around Herbert that the Chargers could find a different way to win. I think the hmm. defensive talent with the Ravens, they've had to recycle it a little bit. Derek Wolf just went had hip surgery for the second time, so I think he's out for a while. Clay's Campbell came back to the Ravens late, but how much does he still have in the tank? Marlon Humphrey is the star, really, in Baltimore, but for all those years, Baltimore had dudes, like dudes on defense. Now you look and go, okay, young guy over here, young guy over there. Hmm. Okay, Chuck Clark's back there. Okay, that's good, but... Who's playing next? Okay, Kyle Hamilton's a rookie. So there. that defense isn't quite there. I look at the Chargers and go, man, that's a pretty close team. That team is really close to being complete. Eckler, good running back. Those two receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is fanta- fantastic. The line's gotten better in front of Herbert with the addition of Zion Johnson. I mean, what do you say about Bosa and Mack? I just think the supporting cast around Justin Herbert is that much better than the other two right now. So I'm going to go Justin Herbert.
0: Okay, I've got one more for you after the break. Plus, around the league, we will go to broadcasting. What former Texas pro football coach is now a big part of a big network, among other things? Coming up here on Texans All Access, final segment here on Texans Radio tonight. Great to have you listening, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, I didn't do my final more likely to happen. Here yeah. it is, Johnny. All right, more likely to happen. Nick Casario ice cream binge or oh. Bill Belichick Pat McAfee show appearance? No, Casario eat
1: ice cream first. Really? No way. I could no no way.
0: Binge all, like like he gets a Sunday. He loads up. He's like, I'm going to go all out tonight. I'm using Nick to help me answer this question. Okay. Kind of. I remember we were talking. I can't remember it was on air
1: off there, and something got brought up about Belichick, and he was just like, "Yeah, I think." what is... I think people that know Bill and people around the building with the Patriots, they know that Bill is not quite that person that the media sees and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all sort of thought that was the case because so many people have stayed with the Patriots for so long and been around so long. If it's that miserable, people would have left, even whether you're winning or not. So... And there have been people that have left, but I think there's... You know, it's overblown, but I just can't see belichick going on with mcafee the one thing i could see him going on that show though is belichick at heart as crazy as this sounds he got his start in the nfl as a special teams coach Ooh, so he would like that johnny i could almost so, see it
0: happening once he retires once he retires yes yeah he's once got he a sense of humor he did that nfl was it the nfl 100 show yeah, 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 yeah. Where, yep. with in and you're going over all the right, players with and he's brady and it's so it was- good historically yeah uh, I could see him I could actually see him doing it, having a little sense of humor. When he retires, I could see that. I think you're absolutely right about that. There are a lot I'd, of shows he would not do, but right. that might be one of them he does do. Because McAfee McAfee's not gonna light up Bill Belichick. No. He's not tough. No, no, no. He's not. He's and,
1: fun. And I think Belichick would respect the fact that it's Pat McAfee. Special teams were a big yep. deal, and Pat was good at that. And AJ Hawk, a defensive player he would have respect for. So I, I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to change my answer. Okay. Because I just had the vision of Nick Casario eating ice cream and binging on ice cream, <laughs> and I didn't like that. That. So I'm going to go bell check on McAfee. show. Talk me
0: into it. Okay. Uh, Jason Garrett's going to work for NBC. How about that? Ivy Leaguer? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you the most overused phrase
1: ever. Okay. He went to, insert name of supposed smart school here. Right. He must be smart let me shoot that down right now okay this i mean man i who went
0: to brown university telling i do you that this, on folks. a
1: daily but you, you can't listen to me and go oh yeah he's mm-hmm. smart no no no, no. there are so many people that go to those schools for whatever reason and have no business having gone to those school from a ter- stereotypical reason they got in as i did having football on the resume that so helps just because jason garrett now jason garrett is smart so he'll be fine mm-hmm. uh i i'm i'm curious to see how it goes for jason garrett to see how much he actually goes beneath the surface. I don't know if he has designs on coaching again, if he takes a coach to task for certain things. If they're breaking down a big game and a coach has made a massive clock mistake and he knows it, is he gonna point that out? You know, those I kind of know. things.
0: I don't know. And I McVay think would McVay would have. McVeigh oh. would have had fun with it. And remember, I might retire and go into TV. How about Aaron Donald? I might retire. Who believes this crap? I didn't didn't believe it from either person. Didn't they both get contracts? By the way, do you think, not that the Rams are over-celebrating or anything, because good for them, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, But I think this feeling around sports, and I'm not even saying the league necessarily, but sports and sports media, just national conversations, this feeling that the Rams are here to stay in this seat, I think that's a little overblown. It's hard to get there. They had a tough time. They had a tough time blasting through the playoffs to get their they Lombardi trophy. They didn't blast through the playoffs. No, exactly. They had to well, they had to get through crunch time moments and they did. in order to get through over the hump in every game. It was not a blowout fest in the postseason. Remember the eighties when teams, you know, the Giants would wipe the floor yeah. with Washington to get in the NFC championship game at windswept Meadowlands, and you had the Bears. You know, all these teams, like, dominating to get to the Super Bowl and often dominating the Super Bowl. You don't get that here. Drew and I are going to talk about this on our in the lab next week. But the biggest issue
1: for those teams was quarterback continuity. Right. Jim McMahon couldn't stay healthy enough after the Bears had won it oh, in the 80s. Interesting. 80. Phil Sims got dinged up. Who won the second Giants Super Hostetler. Bowl? Hostetler. did after Sims got banged up. The yeah. Redskins were going in and out of quarterbacks after Thiesman. That's
0: why he's such an underrated, as celebrated as he is, Joe Gibbs is somewhat underrated in what he was able to accomplish. Johnny, that's going to do it for tonight, my got friend. It. All right, we are really looking forward to tomorrow's practice. We'll talk about it on tomorrow night's show. You can listen to this one soon enough on the Texans app. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.